hosted by Jason Bryan and providing the latest insights on telecoms trends from around the world. This is Rocco Radio. Welcome to Well Connected from Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan and today I have a very special podcast for you. In 2020, Rocco announced the 100 most influential people in our sector of the telecoms industry following a six-month period of research. We asked the industry to nominate the most influential people that they knew and tell us why they were nominating them. The results were really incredible to see. We received thousands of nominations for around 150 candidates from across every region of the world. We didn't only want to recognize the most powerful or senior people in the industry. We weren't looking only to recognize CEOs. This was about people in all kinds of roles and all kinds of levels who develop and change our industry for the better. Following a review by our judging panel, we presented the 100 ranking at our annual Genesis event in May 2020. We didn't show the ranking of the top 25 people because we were planning on presenting awards to them in person. However, that just became impossible to do. So before we start on our research for Rocker 100 2022, which begins on the 1st of October 2021, we wanted to take the time to recognize the overall ranking of the top 25 for 2020. We're publishing a new version of the report with the overall ranking and we're interviewing the number one ranked person. It's with great pleasure that we reveal the number one ranked person in the Rocker 100 for 2020 was Wangeshi Kanjama from Mpeza. In this podcast, we get to know Wangeshi a little bit better and hear what she thought to this result. Really, your greatest accomplishments usually come from some of your most challenging encounters. That's actually what I've learned, that if you decide to take the road less traveled, what you'll immediately find is that there's a lot of opportunity to learn and grow. I'm here with Wangeshi Kanjama from Mpesa Africa. And what's your role in Mpesa Africa? So um, my role in Mpesa Africa, I'm currently the finance director. That role is a role that uh, I got into last year in September. Mpesa mm-hmm. Africa is a subsidiary of Safaricom. It's actually a joint venture between Vodacom Group and Safaricom PLC. The whole idea was to create a very powerful center of excellence for the Mpesa ecosystem. We currently oversee six countries and those countries are based out of Africa. And the idea is to expand and grow our footprint. I've been studying a lot about M-Pesa because we are doing a training course on fintech. So I heard it mentioned so often. Congratulations on this, uh, this project. Thank you. Thank you. So Wangeshi, your name has been mentioned a lot in our office over the last year and a half because we're also delighted to see what happened with this project. So I want to recap a little bit on that before we go into the questions that we have for you. Okay. So in the Rocker 100, we asked for nominations in around October 2019. And for the nominators to tell us why they thought the, the people they were nominating were good, we received over 100 responses nominating you. Okay. <laughs> we asked 
for the, the nominees also to rate you on key characteristic traits for influential people. Over 75% of the nominees said you were a visionary person, that you were, of most of the people they knew, very, very knowledgeable. <laughs> but it was the personal comments people made about you which convinced the judges that you were the most deserving of this number one position. Thank you. So <laughs> let's have a little review of some of the things which the industry people have said about you, because I think it's very special. So Wangeshi is a visionary in the roaming space. She's a transformational leader. Mm. Wangeshi is always geared to see change and positive growth. Wangeshi can see around corners <laughs> and is an inspiration. Wow. She is an exceptional and motivational leader who allows people to learn from their mistakes. Mm. She gets things done, hence she is a go-getter. <laughs> she also works well in cross-functional teams to get things done. Mm. Based on the magnitude of resources she manages, and with this, she's able to handle it without dropping the ball at any single time. Mm. She's a team player, and she goes out of her way to ensure everything is okay. Mm. Wangeshi has been instrumental in helping Safaricom monetize uh, their assets through the wholesale division. The growth of the unit from a small function to a key revenue function within Safaricom is because of Wang Wangeshi. She has the energy and drive to make things happen. <laughs> through her dedication and passion, she revolutionized the roaming and wholesale space by incubating it from its infancy to a fully-fledged mm. operational and profitable venture. I'm sure you remember lots of, of <laughs> these things. Yeah, I do. I do. It was quite a journey. She ensured that we expanded collaborations with other telcos mm. so as to achieve a customer-friendly price. She's influenced policy within the company and with regulators as well. Mm. She's made hard choices. Her approach towards solving problems and encouraging, teaching, sharing with her team new methods. The operations for undersea cable that has changed country connectivity landscape. Additionally, she's, she's been on the forefront of ensuring that simboxing is eliminated. <laughs> she, she brought back wholesale into a profit-making industry in the otherwise declining global outlook making the wholesale customer upfront. Wangeshi has influenced a lot of wholesale and roaming agreements, which could not have been possible without her, including a pioneering effort to work with Ethiopia. She's a pace setter who steps back and takes time to visualize the big picture. She also carries along her team, making sure that everyone has their focus on the vision and the picture of success. I could go on because there are over a hundred comments <laughs> like this about you. What do you uh, think to these comments? Well, I'm humbled. I'm honored. It's good to appreciate how people see you. The journey for wholesale was not an easy one, but I'm really proud of what we managed to achieve because in many ways it was a bit of an uphill task uh, because the orientation of the organization is very consumer centric. So this was a very different complement to the business. So the headspace was very, very different. So it really took a lot of convincing, taking risks. So it's, it's really humbling to hear because uh, it was a very, very one of my greatest adventures and one of the most rewarding because I really learned a lot in that space. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that people, the people around you, you have inspired them 
hmm. and that they're proud of you. No, it's really we inspired each other. Um, I remember because it, uh, we needed to really uh, rethink the way we were doing the business. We needed to really work very well as a team, and I think it really pushed my limits as a leader because it was just so different from you know anything we had done in Safaricom, and it was really a struggling part of the business. So. To sit with the team, put in rigor, put in discipline. We used to do in-depth reviews. We traveled a lot. I realized wholesale was a very international business. Uh, you forged relationships that could carry you for years. So it was a lot of hard work because we were starting from a point where the organization wasn't very clear about its potential. Within the industry, we weren't really perceived uh, to be very relevant or strong in wholesale. So we really changed our mindsets at, as a team. But increasingly for me, I began to see a lot of potential because there's a lot of um, sharing on the global stage. So obviously you go for all these conferences and you just see amazing transformations of businesses and just how they positioned wholesale. So that was a great inspiration for me as well. But I also worked with a very special team. So we pushed each other and they really mm -hmm. did make me a better leader. So that was also very true. I can't take the credit from uh, all by myself. Uh, the team that I worked with also took a risk. Uh, they came from very divergent backgrounds. We had engineers, uh, we had accountants, we had salespeople, and we all had to rejig our thinking to really bring the essence of wholesale and harmonize it and then deliver something of value. So I'm really proud of what we managed to achieve. Thank you. Anybody that you'd call out as a, a key influencer for you during that period? Honestly, it's too many people. The team itself, because people took risks in terms of their careers. People left uh, what they would consider their mainstream jobs and came into wholesale, uh, which wasn't typical. So I'd really like to commend the team. Uh, I can't pick out anyone specifically in that team. I'd like to say the whole team. We became extremely yeah. close. We established uh, bonds and traditions and ways of inspiring each other that were just truly amazing. We worked extremely hard. So I'd really like to share this recognition with my team. I think they really were outstanding. They came in knowing that th we had to really prove ourselves. And there was a lot of work we needed to do. Sometimes we had some very tough discussions. Um, <laughs> we went for training together. Other times we sat down and literally rewrote our strategy around Uh, A2P SMS was a business when we took over that was hardly doing anything. Uh, one day I just said, enough is enough. We're going to revamp this business. It's going to grow. I set a target. The, the manager in charge looked and wondered, but it began to really flourish. And we took that view with everything. So when every revenue in wholesale was growing double digit, I remember the time my boss was like, did we set the right target? Well, the target's too low <laughs> because the revenues were really flourishing. And it really, it really made us proud because we actually began to, to figure out uh, what critical activities and initiatives were driving our business. The other very good thing that happened is we earned the respect of our, our peers in the industry because initially we, we didn't quite have our act together. So when it came to some of the key international bids or regional bids, actually, to be more specific, we weren't really, you know, getting them and it was really frustrating. We learned a lot. I remember even when I made the foray into Ethiopia, um, at the time, Ethiopia was seen as a very difficult country to deal with, but we managed to persevere. We did a deal there that was a capacity deal 
And at the time, most of the business for Ethiopia was going to Djibouti. So when we came in, uh, we were coming in a bit like an underdog. But the first time we did the deal, I think um, we bit a bit more than we could chew. So <laughs> we, we got the deal, but it didn't quite work out. So it unfortunately got canceled. Then we repitched again. We had to rebuild the relationship. We traveled severally to Ethiopia, severally. And I'm very proud to say that that is one of the deals uh, that really stands out to this day. And we carry a lot of capacity for Ethiopia. And that deal came from blood, sweat, and tears because it was really uh. tough. Traveling there early in the morning, leaving in the evening, meeting the Ethiopians, winning their trust again, uh, took a lot of effort. But that was one deal that uh, we we really won hands down and a lot of effort and work went into it. And there was a lot of cross-functional collaboration, not just within our team, but within the technology team, because we really had to demonstrate that we could deliver that service to the expectation mm-hmm. of uh, Ethiotel. So I think we're very proud of that achievement. Well done, well done. So Wangeshi, I'd like to go a little bit back in your story if I can, and ask you what you studied. So that's an interesting question. Uh, I studied commerce. So I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree uh, in finance. So my initial interest really was in the stock market. I really wanted to really be a kind of stock trader or funds trader. Like I was very fascinated by investments. So I took that as my specialization in university, went into the stock market. Actually, that was my first job, but it didn't quite sustain my interest and the stock market in Kenya underwent challenges. But it was a very interesting experience because uh, I made some uh, trips within Africa that, you know, just showed me what the landscape of investment could be. But I still had a hunger that wasn't really met. So just to answer that question, yes, it was a commerce degree. But after I did that, I really, I'm an apprentice learner. So I've learned a lot on the job. I've taken courses that inspire me. So after I left university, then I just kept more of like executive learning, taking courses and just growing my interests because my commerce degree gave me a very good understanding of finance. But I think eventually as, as I w- went into the workplace, what I realized immediately is that I had very diverse interests. Commerce was just the foundation. It wasn't wow. really going to keep me very engaged. So I, I used it as a lever. And so how did you finally enter into the world of telecoms? So I actually, when I, uh, so after I I left the stock exchange, I started looking because I started feeling that I was looking for something different and something a bit more challenging. So I, at the time I was wondering, do I stay in Kenya? Do I leave Kenya? So I, I really did explore quite a bit. But what happened is that I was working for ABB, I say a brown blueberry, and then I saw this big advertisement in the early 2000s for, it was for Safaricom. And so Safaricom had just, uh, you know, come out in a very, very big way and was looking to hire people. But as I was on my journey, I realized immediately that I wasn't really interested in mainstream finance. So what I ended up doing was I looked at the jobs very keenly And while I was in ABB, I realized that tax was a big issue for companies. A lot of companies, companies that had set up in the country were having a lot of tax challenges because um, the tax authorities in Kenya can be quite punitive. So when I saw Safaricom advertising for a tax accountant, I was quite intrigued because actually I developed a very big interest and love for tax 
matters and had helped ABB solve a very big issue that had we not resolved would have actually crippled the business. So that's how I entered into mm-hmm. Safaricom. I actually entered in as a tax accountant and then rose through the ranks. And the beauty about working at Safaricom is that I got a lot of opportunity to take on new opportunities, new responsibilities. And I realized I'm kind of like a fixer and a restorer. So things that needed to be fixed Ah. or started, those are opportunities I received. So for example, when I took on the tax job, I was the one who set up the tax uh, department in Safaricom. It didn't exist, but the lady who was recruiting me at the time had come from Egypt and she said, look, tax can be a big issue. So we need a, a, a tax accountant. And so that's how I started. And then from there, I started the treasury department because I said tax and treasury could go together. So I pitched for that and I got that. Then from there, um, I was actually approached by the CFO and he then took me, said I could do the planning job. And that was how I then took over the whole planning for Safaricom. And we did, you know, very many instrumental things of which I'm very proud. We launched 3G. uh, We launched the enterprise business. Uh, So it was a very interesting time when we were on an acquisition phase as a business, but we're also expanding and going into new areas. Uh, At the time, actually, as I moved into that role, actually, one of my key assignments was the IPO for Safaricom. So that was the IPO we did in 2008. And that was very instrumental. And I was very proud of that because I'd worked for this business and I was like, oh, now I can be an owner as well. So the IPO was also one of the things that uh, I was instrumental in being part of. So it's been a very interesting journey. And the beauty about the planning role, because it gave me a very uh, diverse and broad view of the business, actually, one of the interesting things that I had to kind of sort out was wholesale. So my foray into wholesale started in a very, very interesting way. In 2009, Kenya was now moving from the satellite business and cables were actually starting to land uh, on the East African coast. And uh, Safaricom was part of the team's consortium. And at the time, actually, the construction of that cable had stalled. So here we are, very eager to get fiber. But unfortunately, it had started off uh, as a government initiative, but they had run out of money. So they then asked uh, players from the private sector to come in and uh, kind of help them finish it. So we come in at Safaricom and then I'm told to come in and just make sure from a financial standpoint, we really make sure that we don't get into a situation where the cable stalls. And at the time, Seacom was coming. And so, you know, they were like, teams must get finished as well. And so that's really how, I think that was my first taste of wholesale. So at the time, I remember it was very interesting because an engineer was just, you know, taking us through the parts of the fiber and, telling us about the potential of the undersea cable, the wet segment, you know, it was very, very technical at the time. And I was like, oh my, this is very interesting. But then here within a few months, the cable came to uh, East Africa and very soon we saw a very big transformation in terms of our our data, our usage, our cost. So that began my journey with wholesale. And uh, we really kept that business going and uh, made it profitable, made it stable. And from there, I then began to find that that framework creates uh, a lot of opportunities to to look at business in different ways. So when the wholesale part of the business started kind of not doing as well, I began to receive facets of that business to fix. 
So I received the roaming part <laughs> and I was told, look at this, it's, it's not really working very well. And so I turned it around and then I said, maybe this business is just neglected. It just needs to be taken care of properly. And uh, yes. that's when I said, <laughs> maybe I should just pitch. So I went to my boss, I'd like to do it. He looked at me very strangely and said, that doesn't sound convincing enough for me. Uh, you're good at what you do. I said, no, I think I really would like to do wholesale and I'd like to focus on it because I think it's really just struggling because it doesn't receive the relevant amount of attention and focus. So it was quite a leap of faith. And uh, I asked for all the elements of wholesale to be brought together under one umbrella. And then I looked at them and I said, I want to look at this business with a fresh pair of eyes. I don't want to look at it as it has been seen before. I want to imagine this as a standalone business that could really, really, really add value to Safaricom. And that's how I approached it. So immediately I made that decision to one, focus on it only, not do any other job because I usually tended to have a lot of dual responsibility. I said, no, this I want to focus on 100%. I, I, I really learned a lot because that's when I realized uh, the elements of the business have uh, opportunities to really grow. And that's how I went into wholesale. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's an area which I think so few people really understand. Very true. And they don't, most mobile networks, they don't know where to, to put roaming and wholesale. Correct. Is it a finance thing because it deals with so much revenue? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Is it technology? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Well, I think from what you've described about your planning role, it sounds like a great foundation to go into any other part of the business that you wanted to. I think it really helped me understand because Honestly, even planning for wholesale would sound very difficult. Those are the numbers like, okay, so wholesale is this one line that nobody really looks at. So we wouldn't really bother. But the minute we opened it up and started looking at it with the depth, as we were looking at the other businesses, that's when we realized, wow, there is potential in this business. And if you don't understand it, actually, that's the key thing I realized. If you don't understand it, you then either neglect it, mismanage it, or don't realize that it could be, um, an area where your business gets cannibalized because you don't understand the dynamics. So that for me was a key learning as well. So from wholesale, you entered into this amazing new world of M-Pesa. How did that start? (laughs) So, um, So there was a bit of a strategic shift within the business. And so wholesale uh, moved and I said uh, the, the business wanted to give me a bit more of a different responsibility where I start looking at new business opportunities in general. So just looking at what else could we do. And so the role that I went into were, had elements of my previous role, but it started looking at frontiers for growth. So one of the areas and one of the projects actually that uh, I then received was this M-Pesa Center of Excellence. And so it, it came across as we need to start looking at the M-Pesa ecosystem and start talking about one M-Pesa and take the M-Pesa journey to the next level. So that really was the thinking. And this was really just to harmonize all the efforts uh, technically and commercially for all the M-Pesa markets and begin to really drive the growth of uh, this ecosystem in a very refined and new way, but also begin to expand M-Pesa into new markets. Just in case people don't know, could you tell us a little bit more about what M-Pesa is? So 
M-Pesa is a digital payment solution that was started in Kenya in 2007. And it was started because within Kenya, there is a large part of the population that at the time was unbanked. So there was need to get a solution that looks to make it easy to send money. So M-Pesa is now, I think, uh, very well known. The name is, is really a name that people easily recognized. We now have close to f- uh, 50 million customers in the countries that we are in. Uh, we are looking also to enter into Ethiopia, which is a very, very big market. So M-Pesa really is a digital payment solution that has revolutionized the way business is done in at least the East African region and has also grown into other sub-Saharan countries and is a very successful platform for mobile money. And there are plans, obviously, to take it to the next level, make M-Pesa really a lifestyle and grow with the use cases that really resonate with our customers. So in a nutshell, that is what M-Pesa is. And it has been around for some time now, over 10 years. Can you talk me through what your current role is then in M-Pesa? So in M-Pesa, I'm the finance director. M-Pesa Africa is based in Nairobi. It has a subsidiary in South Africa. We are in charge of uh, six markets. We have 50 million customers and we are looking to transform the way M-Pesa business is done. In essence, really, we are a center of excellence and our job is really to make sure that from a technical perspective and a commercial perspective, uh, the M-Pesa ecosystem is really optimized to deliver immense value, not just for the customer, but also for the market so that they're able to effectively compete in this space that is now really uh, very broad and very exciting. So thank you very much for telling us a little bit about your career story. But over the time that you've been working in Safaricom and now for M-Pesa, you must have had a few times where you faced really difficult situations, like somebody mentioned before in one of your comments, you made hard decisions. How did you overcome these hurdles that you had in your career? I think one of the things that uh, really helps me is that I come with a mindset that the glass is always half full. Even if you don't have everything you need, you still have something that you can use. The other thing that I've learned is not to be fearful. Uh, courage does not necessarily mean the absence of fear. Courage just means um, you keep going. And what I've learned from the challenges that I've faced, once you make up your mind that you're going to finish what you've started, it's amazing how they say the universe conspires uh, to give you solutions. Mm-hmm. So I've actually seen it repeated severally in every role that I have been in. I have faced challenges and I think it's actually from the way that I joined Safaricom and found every role had some issue that I needed to overcome. So actually I developed a a problem solving mindset. I knew I'd never have enough resources. I'd probably never get all the support that I needed, but I recognized very quickly that I was playing on a stage that had many stakeholders that could really influence and change things. So The amazing thing for me is that I've always approached things with a view that they can be solved and that if you're not scared, really your greatest accomplishments usually come from some of your most challenging encounters. That's actually what I've learned, that if you decide to take the road 
less traveled. What you'll immediately find is that there's a lot of opportunity to learn and grow. And then the other thing I've also learned about facing challenges is not to face them alone. Uh, the fact that you're a leader doesn't mean you know everything. It means that you're in a position to bring people round a table and help you look at the issue from very many different points of view. So if you listen more effectively, it's amazing what people can teach you and help you see. And it could be anyone. So I mean, I've learned also that uh, solutions can come from anywhere. And also the other thing I've learned to appreciate is some of the challenges can be unexpected and they can come at the very beginning when you actually think it should be easier. So what ends up happening is that you develop like grit, some resilience, and it makes you say, no, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. And for me, what I found is that it forces you to, to think very differently. So I think for me, that's, that's a mindset that I use and it's helped me immensely. And I really like it because I actually record those instances when I've faced those challenges and I really reflect on them and I make sure they really sink in so that the next time I face a challenge, I don't forget that I've faced probably similar, maybe not exactly the yeah. same, but I've overcome. I have overcome those challenges, especially when maybe people around didn't think that challenge could be conquered. So that really has kept me going. I really do treasure those uh, challenges and I, re I relish them. Actually, if I don't feel the job is bringing those kind of issues, I think then it's either too easy or it's not the right job for me because <laughs> I think jobs will be challenging and I know it's in those challenging instances that you really get to, to grow and amaze yourself at, as to how you can even solve the issues. Wholesale was one such challenge. The business didn't think it could make money and I was like, maybe not. I think it can. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very true what you say actually you know and and often we don't we don't recognize our achievements enough you know if we're very ambitious driven people you know and so to go back and say yeah this is something i faced a difficult challenge before and now i can do the same again mm -hmm. that's a it's an important thing for us to remember true, true. what do you wish you had known when you were starting out in your career that uh, would have would have helped you? Mm. I think what I, I wish I'd known is that um, people do face the same kind of problems. And really, it it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. I think you don't get successful overnight. So I think what I, I really, because uh, I was very impatient when I was younger, I, I really was like, you know, things have to happen very quickly. Uh, but now I realize more importantly that things can take time. Good things can take time. And the time doesn't necessarily mean 30 years. It could mean instead of six months, it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be three years. So I think for me, I, I think the thing that I, I really now appreciate is you're never quite in a situation that another person can't relate. It's just more important how you choose to respond to that situation that actually is going to make uh, a material difference in the outcome. So I think that's something I learned over time because the other thing as I learned these challenging situations, I read a lot. I listened to different people in different industries and I, I began to realize that the issues are the same. It's just how you choose to respond to them that makes a huge difference. So now as I look back, I'd really tell my younger self, don't be too hard on yourself because it does take time. 
Uh, nothing just happens in an instant. Uh, it will take time. Uh, the fact that it's taking longer than you think doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. It, it just means that maybe more effort is required, a different approach is required. But if you really are determined to achieve something great, it won't happen overnight. I think that's the biggest learning for me as I look back, because I, I tended to be very impatient and very quick uh, when I was younger and restless if things didn't come together the way I thought. But over time, as I've changed that approach, I've learned actually when I slow things down a bit more, I actually can see the things that I didn't couldn't pick before when I was kind of, you know, a bit hurried, a bit frazzled about the situation. So for me, it's patience. I think I'll tell my younger self, just be more patient. And <laughs> you will just pick things that you didn't think were solutions. What you said resonated with me because you said in other industries can be similar to our industry. And I, when I think about telecoms, I think you're right what you said, because as much as we look out into other different industries, we realize that there's some similarities there. No, they definitely are. I think the world is becoming more interdependent than we realize. The industries are actually converging. Technology is blurring the lines. And so you could find yourself in any space. It, it really is a very different dynamic. And I think also COVID in its own form has brought uh, an interesting outcome and disruption as well. So we're living in a world where you could use technology to, to go into in any industry actually and make a significant contribution. You just need to know what is that opportunity for you. So you've touched upon a question which I think is really important for me, which is around how telecoms companies can improve or evolve over time because telecoms companies often get a bad rap or not innovating very much, but we're in the middle of an amazing digital transformation. What do you think uh, how telecoms can evolve? So the telecoms business, I think the, the model that will take it forward in the future will be a, a digital ecosystem that is one that there is a lot more collaboration across industries and a lot more enablement for, for different players. So what I see actually where, where I am now is that there's a lot more disruption to everything, but everything is kind of being reset. So the telecom business of the future is a business that is uh, very technology centric. It is a business where it is more predictive and where you will see telcos that have a very good understanding of the needs of the customer and can quickly innovate around those needs will quickly begin to stand out uh, as the, the players that really complement the customer. Remember now, the telecom customer has very many more choices. The telecom customer now has a standard uh, that needs to be maintained and is living increasingly in a digital world that impacts their personal and professional life. So for me, I think telco players really need to start being a bit more niche and really start understanding what is it that I really want to address. Because I think the opportunities now are opportunities where telcos will need to probably partner a bit more, collaborate a bit more, begin to understand that if we remain too much in the current space that is largely voice and data, those will quickly get commoditized. So the business of the future is, is a business of enablement and lifestyle, and it's increasingly digital. But I think 
the telecom players really, really need to get a grip on the regulatory challenges that kind of impact the industry in a sense, but more importantly, begin to really take the customer experience and the customer engagement and the knowledge of the customer to a whole new level. And I think that will really differentiate the telcos of the future. And they will find themselves in very dynamic businesses. If you take Geo, for example, Geo in India has disrupted the mm. whole telco space and the players who were very strong 10 years ago are not the players who are there now. So just looking at how Geo has disrupted the telco model tells you that there's a new type of telco that is going to be there in the future. So for me, that's very real and it's something that you can't ignore. So I think Joe is a very good example of what the telco of the future can look like and should be probably in many ways. But that's one model. I'm sure as, as telcos begin to innovate, it will depend on, you know, your geography, your ability to, it, there'll be many different attributes that telcos can use. Uh, but a number of them are beginning to cluster their assets and begin to look at their business in a new way. I think the enterprise space will be a very strong space too. I think enterprise is really going to take off. We've been very consumer-driven kind of telco business, but mm. I think increasingly you're going to start finding the telco businesses of the future also will have a big opportunity in the enterprise space. And I think that, especially even for Africa, given that we've got a number of SMEs that are struggling to kind of leapfrog and grow and sustain their business models. I think the enterprise space will also be a very interesting space for telcos that really understand very, very much beyond just the basics of voice and data, what the need of the enterprise customer will be going forward. I think that's a big opportunity for growth as well. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on that. You're clearly a person who's looking outside at what is happening around the world and, and bringing this intelligence home and seeing how you can use it within your own your network. So it's very inspiring to hear that. To people who are inspired to join the telecoms industry, what should they do? What, what can people do to improve themselves, to get to the next level, to become leaders or people who maybe they're sat at a desk somewhere in the world and they have a lot of ambition and they just want to they just want to get in and into telecoms more and to, to make a, a mark on it. So I, I've reflected in the last, call it one to two years, I looked at my journey when I entered the telco space and I looked at the skill sets that were required. They were very diverse. Over the journey in the telecom industry, a lot of digital transformation has taken place. So if I was entering the telco space today, the telco industry is facing a new type of uh, challenge and those challenges or opportunities, because they are complements of each other, it require new skill sets. So one of the things that has become very critical and very apparent in every area of the telco space, digital skill set will be paramount. So when you look at the amount of data that the telco companies now have, and generally we are in the information revolution where there's just so much information. One of the things that's becoming extremely critical is your ability to be very effective at managing data and using data information much, much more effectively. And I know it may sound simple. To some people, it may sound obvious, but there'll be a lot of innovation going forward around just data, information 
uh, will give people insights into how to serve their customers better. So when I had been in wholesale, I traveled a lot. And one of the places I ended up was at a data academy. And in that data academy, mm-hmm. a lot of people were reskilling and uh, data scientists were coming out because people were saying in the future, this whole space of data is going to be so material. You have the regulatory side, which is looking at how you manage data privacy, how you use data, for example, to make uh, authentication of customers uh, something easier because fraud is a very, very big issue. So there's a lot of innovation coming through around authentifying, you know, is this the customer? And a lot of uh, companies that are able to handle that whole space of KYC end up finding that they can uh, give their customers a very pleasant experience. So I see the future as one where the skills will require you to really at least pick a digital skill that is of relevance. So we've talked about machine learning, we've talked about AI, we've talked about just your ability to even understand the customer experience. One of the things that's becoming very interesting, I read about it the other day and I was quite surprised, is the science around the customer experience and just being able to to really understand the needs of your customer in such a way that you really take the customer experience to the next level. So people who are able to help their companies really enhance and manage that customer experience will be valuable. The whole element around uh, messaging and creativity, uh, positioning. So I think the skills will require two complements. One, that you're very open to your creative side because there'll be a, a, a need to differentiate yourself. A lot of companies will probably say, uh, I have this information. Company A has this information and so does company B. But how do they use that information to differentiate themselves and give the customer a very good customer experience? So I definitely see cyber also as being a very uh, critical element. Even in East Africa, one of the things that has become very apparent in the telco space, the whole issue of cybersecurity, the issue of fraud is is very, very key. In the space of data, uh, one thing that is very uh, clear, and even when I was in wholesale, is the whole data offering in itself will take on different elements. So as we talked to customers who had very sophisticated needs, who had multiple locations, you began to find that the solutions were not as simple, but they needed to work extremely well and they needed to not need too much uh, hand-holding. So one of the things that became apparent to us, it, it's you're selling solutions, not necessarily mm-hmm. a voice, but you'll be selling solutions. The other thing is that customer interactions will be happening a lot around app. So app will begin to really become the customer interface that you use and that you engage. So it's a, it's a very exciting future. It's an increasingly digital future. It's a future in which a complement of disciplines will help. So I'm finding you have marketing, but you also understand some elements of technology. It will just help you uh, become a better marketer. You're working in finance, but you also understand how you leverage technology in your space to take the financial insights into the next level. You're working in roaming. I know many people are saying, what's the future? But we began to see this whole IoT space and just telling ourselves, what could this look like? Uh, many people say there was roaming, but now what could it look like in the future? So there'll be a lot more interactions of different technologies to provide solutions. So 
I still think the future is very bright, but the skill sets required are, in my view, technical. And therefore, to enter into that space, to thrive into in that space, I think a good technical understanding of the industry, because it will constantly be disrupted by technology, will be key. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's really great insights. Well, Wangeshi, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Anything else you'd like to add? I think I'd like to say I'm very proud to have worked in Safaricom because uh, Safaricom has a very entrepreneurial kind of mindset. It's given us as people who have worked in that company for, for years, a very exciting opportunity to help it grow. So for me, I'd really like to say a big thank you to Safaricom. I've had a lot of opportunities to use my skill sets to do diverse things and uh, help the business build very many things. The wholesale experience for me was a very enriching experience. I really did enjoy the customer engagements, both locally and internationally. I saw the potential and I really found that it was a very, very unique experience that really taught me very many things. So I'm very proud to have been part of that journey. I think as as I look at life now, I, I still see that uh, there will be a lot more opportunity, I think, to, to use technology to really solve problems in interesting ways. So I think the future is extremely bright. And generally, I'd like to say for me, it's been a very interesting journey. I, I really can't complain. I've learned a lot. I've disrupted myself severally. And uh, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've appreciated the insights that the different roles I've held uh, have taught me. So all in all, I'd like to really thank also Rocco. I think it was really very special and it was an honor to to have been nominated and to reach this far. I really had no expectation, but the feedback has been very, very pleasant. So I'd really like to thank you uh, and your team uh, for this opportunity. I'm really humbled by it. And I think it will always remind me, and that's why I was telling you earlier, that problems provide a very interesting opportunity for you to grow. And so wholesale was that for me. It was just one of those things I said, why not? And I did it. And it really has even helped me now, even in my current role. The fact that I have more a more commercial mindset means that I look at things a bit more in a multifaceted manner. And so it enriches my insights and understanding. So it's been good. And I really am very thankful for this opportunity. I hope the podcast will bless or inspire someone. And I'd also really like to thank my team. Should they hear this? I'd just like to say thank you to the people I worked with at Wholesale. They really, really inspired me. Some have gone on to other wholesale businesses and they share their experiences and we remember that time very fondly. So I'd really like to thank the team that I worked with. They took a chance and uh, we made something beautiful and it was special. So thank you so much. This has been very enjoyable for me and uh, I, I really thank you. Mangeshi, thank you so much for telling your story and, and, and taking us through your career. I think it's a remarkable journey and clearly you're a very well admired person in the industry. So I really do appreciate your, your time and, and your insights, which I'm sure will be useful to, to people. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more in the Well-Connected series, please see our Rocco Group website, SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. There's so many great stories and more to come. Rocco 100 2022 is coming and from October the 1st, 2021, nominations are open. Check out roccoresearch.com 
on the 1st of October to make your nominations. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan and thanks for listening to Well Connected from Rocker Radio.